With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Better never rest. What is up? It's Sunday night. It's the Georgia Show. Jay Grow here with you with Jay Groose and Rusty Mansell, and we are coming to you fresh off of a Georgia victory over Florida. And guys, before we talk about anything else, Rusty, it just hits different. It's just different when Georgia beats Florida. It's funny. I I kind of get reminded of it every year. You know, it's the the way people talk about it, the way it's celebrated. It's just a it's kind of the Alabama Tennessee thing. There's no cigars, but there's always guys up in the stands celebrating with fans. Um, it, it just, I don't know, man. It just kind of permeates through the fan base a little differently. That's obviously the game different. You know what I mean? It's the, it's the neutral site feel. It's Georgia, Florida. It's um, a lot of crazy things have happened down there. I don't care. You know, most Georgia fans, even at 14 and a half point favorite yesterday, were nervous about it. And Florida comes right down Georgia's throat and makes it seven to nothing. You think, here we go. You know, I talked about it last night with Roosh on our after show and, you know, one of our posters and I'm, I'm I mean, I, I get it. He was like, here we go, boys. This is going to be 34 to 31, you know, and I don't know that Florida got six more first downs the rest of the game. I mean, Florida, you know, on the, on the, I don't know if Georgia, uh, Florida did basically against the first team defense. And, uh, you know, you just tell things quick, but it's such a big game. And it's always, it's always, if you win that game in Jacksonville, you're, you're about to have a good season and, George has done that now three years in a row. And can they make, can they kind of catapult that into another national championship run? We're about to find out. Definitely going to have a good time if you win that game in Jacksonville. Saw a lot of good times being had. I think you might have had some of them. No, that was my, that was Friday night. I go ahead and get my good time in on Friday night. Okay. We started Delta Sky Club a little mid morning. Uh, may end up in the pool over at the hotel. Who knows? Uh, get a little sunburn. Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> no, no nudity. Uh, but, Reese, I mean, you, you've, you've been down to that game a couple times, you know, student. Um, you've been down there to cover it. God, it, it really does. I mean, it just there, there's something – there's just something that kind of washes over the Georgia fan base winning that game. And uh, our man Matthew C., who comes on the podcast, listens to the podcast, is in the comments all the time. He hit me up on Twitter, and he goes, it was the, it's the kind of the – you know, you could thank Steve Spurrier for that. You know, the fact that Spurrier kind of gotten – you know, I do not disagree with him at all. Um, you know, that, that whole era of dominance now when Georgia fans win, it just feels so much different for him. You know, it does. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you know, look, if Florida, regardless of what kind of season Florida is going to have the rest of the way, if they had pulled this off, it would have really shaped the view of Billy Napier from his base of, from his base. And subsequently, if Georgia had lost this game, 
and it had been the only loss on the season, that would have been a bad taste in Georgia's mouth uh, the rest of the year. And you better believe Gator fans would have let them hear about it. So, I mean, there's just it, unless you come out on top, man, it's it's a bad feeling all around. And so it really does. It means so much um, uh, to so many people. And and, I, you know, I love it. I think it's special for that reason. Stay in Jacksonville. That's my last part on that. Yeah, and listen, I'm from South Georgia. I know how much it means to folks down there. I mean, it means an absolute ton to people down there to win that game. All right, before we move on to anything else, let's go ahead and talk about one of our partners, Game Time. Game Time is the fastest-growing ticket app out there. I don't even know if that's true or not. I'm just saying it, all right? Game Time is awesome. GameTime.co. They've got an app. You need to download it. You need to check it out because it is intuitive. It is interactive. It is one of the finest, you know, ticket apps I think I've ever followed. Uh, Bruce has got uh, UConn, uh, Tennessee tickets pulled up here. Um, you know, if you, hey man, they got those. They got you covered on all of this, man. If you want to go, you can go. If uh, if you've got some Connor Stallions in you, okay. If you've got some Connor Stallions in you, basketball. Yeah. Sneak in there, grab you one, bring you an SLR, focus it on the sideline, maybe forward those uh, forward those signs on a little bit. You know, maybe you can try to help a future opponent knock t- uh, Tennessee out. Slide um, into Kirby Smart's DMs, man. Yeah, <laughs> get up in the DMs there. But, yeah, GameTime.co, the finest place to get your scouting tickets and to break NCAA rules that you can possibly <laughs> find. Uh, promo code DOGS, terms apply, get $20 off your first order. Again, download that app, y'all. It is super easy to use. It doesn't crash. It doesn't act weird. It's not herky-jerky. It is very smooth, very easy to go through. Get your tickets to Missouri. Get your tickets to Georgia Ole Miss. Get your tickets to Georgia Tennessee um, because there might be a few of those as well. And uh, here we are. We're here to the stretch run, guys, where Georgia is going to have a chance to play three teams in a row that are ranked. Um, I didn't get a look at the AP poll today. I wrote the coaches poll. 10, 12, and 16 in the coaches poll is what Georgia has left. Um, I'm not sure what it looks like in the AP poll, but let's talk just real quick a little bit more about four. Um, I know I studied the game a little bit. You know, I kind of saw what I saw in real time, but I went back and watched it for the report card and for some X's and O's stuff. Rusty, I don't know if you've had a chance to do any rewatches or or, or second glances at this thing, but what, what are your thoughts on that game after, you know, any sort of review? Uh, man, first of all, I've been kind of – when I've been asked about Billy Napier, I think Billy Napier's a good football coach. I think Kirby Smart was very complimentary of him this week. I think Billy Napier has been around some successful programs. I think he did a hell of a job at ULL. And I thought – the gap was shrinking a little bit between Georgia and Florida, to be honest with you, um, on some things. But I went back and watched that game tape today, and, man, I, I, I you know, if you're a Florida fan, I told somebody this, and you guys, both of you might remember this. In 1998, Georgia went to LSU, and they beat LSU, and they played a hell of a game, and Quincy Carter was like, I'm here. Uh, Kirby Smart and that bunch were seniors. And and I thought, man, Georgia's Georgia has finally turned 28-27. Finally turned a corner. Well, the next week, game day came to town. And then defending national champs, Tennessee came to town. Without Jamal Lewis. Without Jamal Lewis, by the way. And by the way, game day set up on the bridge. You know, yeah. that, that place they were on top of the yeah, they, I think they were on yeah. top of Tate Center yes. with the Tate bridge Center in the background. The yeah. Yes. So it was uh it was crazy. And you know what? Tennessee beat Georgia down again. Mm-hmm. 
And you left that day going, we're not any closer to Tennessee right now. And and they weren't. That's right. it, took, it took another two years. Georgia didn't beat them in 99. They beat them in 2000. It took another two years before they were able to beat them at home. And I kind of felt like that today. Like Florida, just they're not getting closer to Georgia right now. And they might be doing some stuff and – you know, in some areas that make making their roster better. But as far as what you're looking at as a Florida fan, if I'm looking at that, it's it's disappointing because you're not getting any closer to Georgia. Yeah. And I mean, Billy Napier, I thought, was pretty open and honest about that in his postgame press conference and said as much, honestly, like, hey, you know, we're just not where we need to be yet. There's a lot of continuity going on at Georgia. They're an experienced team. They got a lot of uh, a lot of guys who've been through this before. You know, he's still putting the stamp on it, man, to say in, in a very real way. And I say this, I try to harp on this to everybody that I talk to about this, man. I think Billy Napier is a tremendous coach. I think he's a, a fantastic coach. And I think he's a guy who really could uh, could get Florida back to where they need to be. He's just going to have to have time because I think he came into a real rebuild. This is not a situation where he walked in and there were just ready-made dudes laying all over the place, man. Dan Mullen did that guy no favors on his way out the door. And I, I mean, the pro- just, problem, the problem with that Roosh is now people see the portal success and they're not sure. seeing the portal pay off for Florida. You know sure. what I mean? Their, their portal guys, I, I went and read their board and they had some great comments. Their portal guys aren't producing. And when you're sitting there in a the state, you look at Miami and Florida State, and those portal guys are producing, that's what's turning the heat up um, there. And the portals changed the entire game. And I think we all know that come December the 4th, when this thing uh, opens up, this portal is going to be even crazier this year. But I, I think that's the thing that, you know, as you look at Florida, they've got they've got a hit in the portal. I don't know if, I don't know if he's going to get time to build through high school development and, and recruiting. I think they got a hit now on the portal. But – uh, just looking at Georgia, man, um, the, the, just what they did yesterday. And I don't know what it is. I don't know. I, I I bet you if we have all honesty and have Kirby Smart on here, I don't know what it is. I mean, they play UAB and they play Ball State and they look average as grits, man. But when you get – when this thing ramps up for Georgia and, and they know the bright lights are on and somebody's going to challenge them, they play their best for whatever reason. Yeah, Graham Mertz looked like a guy with a stake around his neck, and the, the path rush just was coming out after him like sharks, man. I mean, it was it was ridiculous, dude. I mean, and you've been waiting on that all season, right? I mean, that's one of those things that people kept saying. You know, Ro, I know you've talked a lot about this on the board, that it's not necessarily the end-all, be-all to get sacks. You want to affect the quarterback. You want to create that pressure. But simultaneously, look, it doesn't hurt when you get those sacks either. Yeah, did a great job of closing on that yesterday. And uh, I, I thought that that was a big step forward and probably a confidence booster for a lot of those guys. What was that stat, Jake Rowe, that you put on? That was a great stat through the first eight games last year. What was seven that? games. Through first seven games last year, they had seven sacks. In the final eight games, they had 28 sacks. I, I, stole, um, I stole that for about three interviews. Thank you for yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, I, I said it in every one I possibly could, too, because it was easy to remember. Um, they they you know, they had 12 coming in yesterday. They had four yesterday and eight tackles for a loss. And honestly, I mean, I don't want to get into side baseball, inside baseball here too much, but I think that's why they kind of gave up some chunk run plays a little bit is I think they were actually – kind of deviated from what they normally do a little bit. And I think they were trying to work up field and create some negatives. Saw more vertical seams and some guys flying, you know, like, you know, Rusty, we never see it. You never see Georgia just fly upfield nonstop and yeah. shoot gaps. But they did that a little bit yesterday. And I think that was it by design to kind of be more disruptive 
on first and second down and, and you know, keep teams from going play action and taking chunk shots at them. I mean, that's something that's something Florida did on first play of the game. You know, the first play of the game, they hit what was a 28-yarder right over the middle, um, you know, kind of held the football there, padded it on first down. And I think Georgia kind of got gets tired of sometimes – you know, playing that two gap and that mint front. And, and they're like, listen, we're going to come get you on first down if you're going to try to stand back there and throw it. And they definitely did that. And and I would love to find out what it is about the bye week. I mean, they put stuff in. And um, I made note of something today. I mean, listen, they had Jalen Walker and, uh, and Damon Wilson in the game at the same time. Um, once Damon Wilson gets mugged and gets a sack, him and Michael Williams share it. And then another time, both of them just, you know, like Ruth said, it was like they were just, is they were like zombies that had just heard a voice uh, for the first time in years. They were just just marching towards them, um, and and they had him in the pocket, and it's, it was it was a pretty cool thing to watch, just watching Georgia's pass rush kind of take off and watch some of those those young players. I mean, Tyron Ingram, Dawkins, Rusty, where'd that come from? Where'd it come from? We, I had no idea. If I had to bet my mortgage yesterday. For the next six months, who was going to play more than ten snaps? And Marius Mims or Tangram Dawkins? I would have asked him if I could double that bet. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I get double, I bet on that. I double bet that because somebody hit me up about it, and I said he ain't playing. Don't worry about that because he didn't practice. He just yeah. didn't like. And that was something. I mean, I knew he didn't practice, so whatever. But I mean, apparently there was a late week development there where he started to feel better, and they thought they could get him going. Kudos to them. You know, kudos to them. Kudos to him for being ready to play. He hadn't played any ball since week one. Yeah, that's a big deal, man. And I've said it. If you want to kind of critique things a little bit, it, it's getting off blocks up front. Now, Georgia doesn't ask their guys to kind of create a ton of negative plays. They want to eat up space, eat up blocks, control the line of scrimmage in that run game and let those guys run around behind them and those guys on the edge. But every now and then, dude, you got to have one of those just one-on-ones where you win it and get pressure without any other help, and that's something that's a defensive coordinator's dream. And, you know, to see him, I think that's one of the missing things right now is get off blocks and win some of those battles because it's hard to run against Georgia. In times, they've given up, you know, chunk yards, as you said. But if they can create some pressures with those front three, uh, those front three guys, uh, I think that's a, that's a good – but. They turned those young guys loose. And I knew, I, I said it a couple of interviews, said on 929, the game in Atlanta on Thursday. I don't know if Graham Mertz is going to beat Georgia, but I can tell you right now, they're going to come after him. Because when you have a stationary quarterback and you go look at the history of Kirby Smart, if you're not a true dual threat, and Graham Mertz isn't like a statue, but his game is pocket. And they know where he's going to be. They're going to dial it up, man. And they came after him. And and even after yesterday, even after, you know, like you said, giving up chunk plays and stuff, you look at the numbers in the SEC, Georgia leads the SEC in number of 20-plus yard plays. They've only allowed 21 through eight games. They lead the SEC in 30-plus yard plays. They're the only team in the SEC that's allowed single-digit 30-plus yard plays this year, and they're creating a bunch of them. So, it, it you know, apparently there's some talk that maybe, you know, Florida had the better quarterback yesterday. I, that's highly subjective. Um, but ultimately, man, it was it was dominance. And I mean, to reel off 36 straight points, I wish I had the you know, I wish I had the stones to say that whenever folks were going nuts. But like, calm down, guys. Georgia's about to score, you know, five straight touchdowns. Just chill out. <laughs> gonna, block, gonna, block a punt, gonna block a punt. One thing I mentioned last night, I want to mention, Jake. I know you watched uh Ro, I know you watched the tape a couple of times, but one thing I did mention last night, and I want to go back 
Uh, Rick Neuheisel on the post game made a great point, and we talked about it last night. He said that Georgia is one of the best tackling teams he's ever seen in space. Like the the Georgia gets you to the ground, and that's so important now. As you start talking about chunk plays, if you give you're going to give up those six and seven yard passages. It's just sometimes it's going to happen, but you don't get many yards after catch with Georgia. And I think that's something that kind of goes unwritten. Uh, it doesn't get a ton of attention, but that's a huge deal. That Tyke Smith, great tackler. Javon Bullard, great tackler. You look at Smile Munden, even on that fourth and one, we could talk about that the rest of the night. Even that looked that, like a wrestling match. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like it was one on one, and he, you know, he's one or two more steps away from pushing yeah. that team there. So Smile Munden got him to the ground one on one. So, you know, you start talking about those bloody Tuesdays and, and does Georgia hit too much? Are they too physical? It pays off, man, because they 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 tackle and hell. There's not much tackling going on anymore in football. They just don't do it. So uh, that's another thing I don't think that gets touched enough is how good of a tackling team Georgia is in space. They're not perfect, but man, they're damn good at that. Rusty, uh, uh, Coach uh, Uncle Glenn Hartley over here got a good memory. He said uh, he you, you did call you did call Rick Neuheisel, Gary Daniels. And what's even worse? And what's even worse? I did that. What even, what's even worse? I did it sober. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I had an excuse. I did it sober, but I made sure tonight I was saying Rick Neuheisel. I, I, yeah, I was watching that TV copy, and uh, Brad Nessler was giving Gary the business about how he, how everybody'd be mad at him if he was a referee because nobody likes him anyway. Um, that was. I mean, I was dying. And listen to that. Brad Nestler is, is is awesome. I want to go back to that fourth and one play, though, Rusty, because um, the more I watch that, the more I realize how big of a team defense play that was because I don't know if they're getting it on the sneak because um, Nazir Stackhouse and Chaz Chambliss blew the um, you know, garden center right back into his lap. Yeah, and I think there was another D lineman in there, too. I just couldn't get his number. And then the big play on that is Jamon Dumas-Johnson covering Ricky Pearsall. Yeah, on the up. on the come on the on the submarine route coming back across. I mean, yeah. he had him step for step. He anticipated it. I don't know how. I don't know how. I think maybe they had, uh, there was some talk that maybe they had run that as a two point before their bye week at some point. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why Georgia was ready for it. Um, but I mean, killer. And then Jamon Dumas Johnson. You want to talk about another tackle in space? They go for it on fourth down again. They try to run the pick play that they hit Georgia with about five times in that last win over them. Dan Mullen did where. They kind of picked the running back off, or they picked linebacker off and hit the running back on the wheel. Jamon yeah. Dumas Johnson basically just walks around the block. He's like, I know what's coming. Kind of yeah. walks around there, makes the tackle in space. You know, there you go. They they have to kind of wait a little bit longer before they get in the end zone. So huge, huge progression too. For yeah, him, right. I think Jamon Dumas Johnson, one of those. Well, guys- I think he's healthy. I think People- you know. I, I think we can get to that right now. I mean, yeah. he's he's healthy. I bet, you, I bet you he's lighter than he was too. Yeah. No, no question. I But that was a big change. And then, Jake, you texted me earlier today, and it was one of those things that really kind of is creeping up, but I don't know that everybody's picking up on it on the regular. But Jalen Walker, man, as a pass rusher, really kind of stepping into his own and filling a lot of those roles. Maybe that you kind of saw from Nolan Smith almost, like from the build standpoint, from doing some of those same things a little bit. He's winning, man. He is winning. And, you know, we go round and round about it on the board a little bit. Got somebody, you know, we're getting after it a little bit. And I, I mean, listen, I don't care if it's he's a superior athlete or moves or what. He's finding a different way to do it every week. Like he was, he was kind of up and under in Damian George, you know, who's a massive human being at right tackle. Ooh. Well, then he comes back and he beats the left tackle with, with handwork, you know, just kind of swats him down, makes the play. 
Damon Wilson walk, you know, at walks Damian George into the quarterback at one point. You know, picks up a sack of his own. I mean, Georgia's got some guys coming on defensively, and I think, man, if if they can get eleven and thirty-five, Damon Wilson, ninety-three, Tyrion Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, they can get those guys to smell a little blood here late in the season, get a little bit to them like that. I mean, I think that takes that that defense to. I think it can be as good as it was last year if they can get that going. And and I, I mean, I know that's I know that's saying a lot, but I th- there is so much speed and so much athleticism with those guys on the field, especially on third down. And Georgia's already really good on third down. They weren't the greatest they've been all year yesterday, but they are already really good on third down. I think if you get all of that together and get it snowballing a little bit, I'm telling you, man, I, th- I think they can be really, really good. And I, I honestly, Rusty, we had heard so much about it. And I hate I mean, I'm not want to make this the Tyron Ingram Dawkins show. We'd heard so much about their spring practice, how how much he had stepped up and how good he had looked. And then, you know, he's not even healthy to begin preseason practice. So you never really see it there. But I mean, I think we saw some of it yesterday because when he wasn't making a play or he wasn't close to a play, it seemed like he was getting held. As many as college coaches, that each one of us had discussions with. I've had several discussions with kids that that just kind of are flatlined. They're just here. And when they get a taste of that, when they get a taste of what he got Saturday, that that spark flies off in that guy. And that that dude becomes who Georgia recruited, why it's such a heavy battle. It's hard to go into a week. And it's human nature, I would imagine, with these kids. It's hard to go into week knowing, man, I'm, I may not even play. I haven't played all year. Nobody's counting on me. And we're, you know, I'm sitting here and Kirby's riding my you know what all week, and I'm tired of hearing it and this and that. And next thing you know, man, you're in the game plan and it's your time to go. And these kids understand, especially at Georgia, man, if you get a chance, you better jump on it because there's yeah. three more people ready to go. And I think when you look at him, um, and what he did yesterday, Georgia desperately. I mean, they need some. They need some guys at that five tech to help them at defensive end, and uh, they got some guys that are just really good program football guys, and that's okay. You got to have some of those too. But some of these games they're about to have to win. They're gonna need some guys that, with some disruption, some guys that can create negative plays. Even you look at that ball, he strips that ball from Mertz. You know, what I mean that that he meant to do that. I wouldn't like that was an accident. He come by. And the tackle pushed him by just enough. He still got his right arm out and, you know, got a, got a uh, swat at it and knocked it down. So I just think that, you know, you look at Tyingham Dawkins and you, you say it just because lack of a better term, man, when you start smelling blood in the water, some some guys like that, they're ready to get after it. And I, I think Tyingham Dawkins, he got, a, he got a whiff of it yesterday, and I would not be surprised that doesn't jumpstart him for the rest of the year. And also I wouldn't jumpstart him into, you know, a lot, a lot of playing time. You, uh, you mentioned, too, Rusty, the idea of guys coming on to help. I did the snap count over there today, including Peyton Woodring. 11 freshmen contributed during that game yesterday, and not just one or two snaps, yeah, playing yeah. significant snaps. We talked about that on the postgame show, man. It's the second mm-hmm. half of the season. Time to unleash those guys. Georgia did that in a big way yesterday. Well, you see you see a couple things. You, and you take away injuries. Then you start thinking, Jake, how many can they tra- uh, travel 75 row? 74. 74. Okay. They and, then, see- and then yesterday, I think they were really at 72 because, yeah. you know, Brock Bowers went and, and you know, Marius Mims obviously didn't play. So, okay. so really got 72 guys. So the one thing it tells you, and we, we, we have to make assumptions and we just really don't know with depth chart. Well, yesterday, you know what the depth chart is. 
and 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 you know with Georgia facing Graham Mertz, uh, Brady Cook, Jackson Dart, and and now um, my guy at Georgia Tech, they, they they've got some dudes. They're about to play some quarterbacks that can hurt you with their legs, hurt you with their arms. So the importance of getting after the quarterback and the importance of what you're going to see on defense and the amount of good offenses, especially the next three weeks. Joe Milton uh, in Tennessee had a good game last night. Joe Milton had a good game. Uh, Tennessee secondary didn't look that great. But Joe Milton, more importantly for those guys, had a really good game. So, you know, you're staring down Brady Cook, um, Jackson Dart, and Joe Milton in three SEC games coming up. So pressure, defensive front those types of things very very important and you know these are these are three really good offenses they're about to play uh coming up well to borrow expression from you rusty uh, listen you're getting free against uh, joe milton had a good game don't get me wrong he's hitting some passes that he wasn't hitting early in the year but it's not hard to get free against kentucky secondary there well i'll tell you the thing i'll tell you the thing wedding dresses buddy i'll tell you the the thing that he showed me last night that he hasn't shown me he ran the football yeah and that's where if Joe Milton's a statue, Georgia's going to come get him. They, yeah. they, just, they just are. I don't care where you're playing that game. They're going to come get him. But if he can hurt you just enough with his legs, and Carson Beck does that. Carson Beck's not known to be a dual threat. That, uh, And, in fact, he had a touchdown yesterday. He made the wrong read, but it's still yeah, a hell of a God almighty knows. Yeah. Hell of a, I think I mean, it would have been a walk-in, too. It would have been a walk-in, yeah, and that's okay. I mean, but he showed that, you know, you put that, you put that play on tape, you know, and you have to respect that, that. He's got enough in him. We hadn't seen that out of Joe Milton, but but you know, so that's kind of the thing you want to see. Jackson Dart will run, and Brady Cook, damn sure, will run this week. So yeah, uh, that's going to be a point of emphasis for the next two weeks for Georgia. We had some questions, uh, Tyke Smith and uh, CJ Allen. I don't know for a fact on CJ Allen. That looked like a cramp to me because uh, CJ had been playing a lot, and it was hot as fire in Jacksonville yesterday. People, when they were warming up, it was very very warm in that place. Um, Tyke Smith came back into the game after he got hurt. Um, he came back in the game, I think, played about six or seven more snaps before Jonel Aguero kind of took over for good and, had, you know, had some ups and downs, but obviously is a very, very good athlete and you saw some good things out of him. Um, all right, let's uh, – before we get into some recruiting, let's preview Missouri here real quick. Looks like Georgia is anywhere from a 15 to a 17-point favorite already. So I, looked, I looked at a couple. Um, it started – on DraftKings, I think it's 17 and a half. And I, okay. I guess I guess it's 15. So when the, the initial lines come out at one, regardless, it's two touchdowns. Uh, yeah. So uh, but it's that that kind of surprising to me. But like I said, those buildings are out there for a reason. Yeah, a bit of a surprise. I mean, given what Mizzou has offensively in terms of firepower and you know, like you said, Rusty, Brady Cook's a threat to get out there and take off on you. And that's where Georgia has struggled. That's what's presented the biggest challenges for them this year. Luther Burden is one of the best players in America, regardless of which school you're looking at. doesn't really matter. The guy is a special, special talent. And kudos to him. A lot of people kind of dogged him for, you know, choosing Mizzou. The kid bet on himself, and he was right to do it, man. Cool. He has shown that in spades uh, in, in this. Uh, and I will say, too, you know, a lot of people have dogged on Mizzou. 
Eli Drinkowitz has made that an attractive program. I'm not saying their NIL thing hasn't helped a little bit too, but I think that uh, they've really kind of reshaped that and said, hey, look, we we can take good players and we can put them in good positions. Um, you know, Theo Weiss is another great example. Yeah. Got highly, highly rated guy coming out of high school, and now he's up there doing great things as well. Uh, Mookie Cooper is there, I think, as well. Uh, and how about, how about this? Stuff. How about this running back? How about this yeah, running yeah, back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What he's from like D two NAI. Yeah, he's a, you know he's a good power back. I mean, he's, he's a guy that's he's kind of leading the SEC, correct? He was going into last week because they had. He was going into this week because they had played more games than everybody. I don't yeah. think he was leading the SEC in terms of like rush yards per game, but he was leading the SEC in in total rushing yards because they had played a little bit more ball than everybody else. But Ray Davis currently leads the SEC in yards per game and, um, you know, rushing yards total. Uh, but, yeah, Cody Schrader's a good player, man. I mean, he's a – the funny thing about him is, is like I, I thought, you know, looking at him a couple years – or last year, I was like, man, I think he's kind of a small back. I mean, but the thing is, he's like 5'9", 220. So yeah. he's definitely not small. And he's kind of in that Ray Davis mold. He's kind of tough to tackle. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was going to bring up Theo Weiss too. They're kind of balanced offensively. They're also kind of, I don't know if y'all also, I don't know if you guys know this or not, uh, in terms of yards per game, Dejan Edwards is the third, uh, third rated running back in the SEC right now. Um, he, he's averaging uh, 92. I call, I, we, we talked about it in the post game show, man. I don't know what the guy's got to do. He's going <laughs> to have to drive a Lamborghini into somebody's house before somebody writes about the guy. But yeah, he, I know. Done every week, man. Maybe he'd become right. a decent interview because he definitely <laughs> does not like doing those. <laughs> you know, he ain't worried about it. He yeah, he ain't worried about, about no interview. But one thing I will say about Missouri is they're a boomer bust defense in a good way. I think they they do a good job of putting pressure on you and kind of being like, all right, listen, they're going to give up some big plays, but they're also going to create some big plays against you. Um, it, that, that's going to be a fun game, man. That's going to be a fun game in Sanford Stadium. I think it's right before – apparently we got daylight savings time this year. I hate to get off on a rabbit trail here, but uh, apparently daylight savings time is here. I thought it wasn't here. What's going on with that? Next, next. It's <laughs> Monday, Dangerous. God, I thought it was hey. gone, man. I'll tell you, oh yeah, we got it. We still got it. So uh are we ever gonna get rid of it? A couple of states did. So they're supposedly looking at a federal bill for the entire country, but you're hot about it. I can tell. I, I wish I could I, I think I just might do it. You're just abstaining. You're just not, yeah, I'm, just I'm, not I'm, not, from, I'm not participating anymore. I'm gonna abstain from the end of daylight savings. <laughs> I can I can no, tell I, mean, you, I can tell you this much. And I'll get right back. I, it, it does suck, man, getting dark. Matter of fact, I sat downstairs with my daughter and we watched the sunset, listened to some music because I said, look, this is the last one we're getting in the in the 80s for the year. It's going to be light at 715. So, um, but I'll tell you this, Kirby Smart's going to come in that press conference tomorrow. And I can guarantee you this, at some point, he's going to challenge the fans. Yes. Because, because this is a game when you got an offense that goes this fast, the next two weeks, the communication and what the fans in Sanford Stadium can do, how they can affect this game. And he's going to tell them right then, we need you. Uh, and it's going to start this week. The next two weekends, the fans in Sanford Stadium, they got a chance to earn their keep right here because communication among these teams and how fast they want to go and can they hear and can they get the play in is going to be key. Uh, but you, you can bet on that tomorrow. Tomorrow or Tuesday, they're going to get the "We need you," and it's and it's truthful. I mean, they can really affect this game. But I was thinking about that tonight. The way these two offenses the next two weeks try to go, uh, the, the Sanford Stadium can be a, can be a factor in this game. 
Uh, Bruce, but I, I'm obviously going to get Rusty's take on this, but before we do, um, recruiting coming up this weekend, you got any expectations, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, for... I mean, you know it's going to be, you know it's going to be hot. It's a 3:30 game, man. Uh, Georgia's got two home games left this season. They're going to try to pack both of them out. There's not a lot of numbers that they still need, but obviously there's some key guys. You're, you're looking at guys, uh, especially who I think were at the cocktail party last week, Makai Borio, uh, Nasir Johnson, possibly if you can get a guy like that into town. There's a word. Uh, I spoke to somebody the other day, Kim Michael might make this trip this weekend. That would be a big one if they can get him in. Georgia suddenly like open to the idea of having him at wide receiver um, after kind of striking out on a few guys and, and earlier kind of focusing on him at defensive back. So, you know, they're going to pack this one out, and, and rightfully so. They've only got so many opportunities left to do that. The needs aren't huge, but I guarantee you'll see, and we've seen this consistently this year, the 25s, the 26s, those guys will be out in full. Yeah, yeah. A 330 game, a 330 game allows those guys to travel a little bit easier. It's not a 12. They're not having to get up at 6 a.m. to get out to the game, get through the experience. So it's, it sets up really well for Georgia. The atmosphere should be live. Everything sets up really nicely for them. Do we find out the Ole Miss game time tomorrow? Uh, hopefully, you know, um, CBS has yet to start pulling out six day options, but uh, they can. Um, I, I, I'm very interested to find out when that one's going to be because that's going to, I think, tell us maybe a lot about when Tennessee's going to be too. Well, uh, yeah, I, I would be shocked because isn't that Cupcake Weekend, Georgia, Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, normally I, I'd be shocked if Georgia's not three thirty. Uh, yeah, I would too. Knoxville and that probably everybody at Athens will be happy with that one instead of walking to that place at seven. Um, so when you look at the recruiting and and, and Roos is right here that the 24 kind of the haze in the barn, you're still trying to, you know, finish off a couple of guys at key positions and those types of things. So what you want to see here and we'll follow this all week and we'll follow it all the way up to the game. But this is this to me, gives you one of those games where if you've been talking to somebody that you maybe nobody knows about, or you're trying to flip somebody, all of a sudden they show up. You remember a couple yep. of years ago, this was about the time, and they didn't get him, but it kind of showed you there was communication. When Travis Hunter thought he was going to slip in there and watch a game on row two uh, in, a, in a home game, and was like, wait a minute, big cat, what's rolling on here, you know? Yeah. So, and 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 Roos is right on this. This is, is going to be a lot of people, a lot of kids want to watch this. Alabama, LSU, obviously – probably the headliner on that side and then this Georgia Missouri game over here. So um, we'll just see where, where that list is, but I expect the next two weeks, if you combine the next two weeks, these last two home games, it's going to be very, very strong. And uh, obviously I've, I've written about it on dogs HQ. I think this 2025 class in Georgia is, is, is important. Let me just say that because it's been a while since the state of Georgia has had this much depth at defensive line. Everybody talks about defensive line. Well, guess where Georgia's been having to go to get defensive linemen? All around the country. Well, this class has a bunch of them and a bunch of coveted ones in this state, and it's a huge deal. We start talking about Elijah Griffin out on, down on the coast. Uh, they've already got Justice Terry committed out of Manchester. That one ain't over. Everybody's still recruiting him. I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of defensive linemen in this class in the state of Georgia, offensive linemen in 2025. So it's an important class, man. It, it, it is, it's, it's one of those six or seven, about every six or seven years in the state of Georgia, that D-line class kind of flexes along with the O-line class in the same one. And they got wide receivers in this class. So you might look at that this weekend and go, man, that's a bunch of 2025s. This is important. Trust yeah. me, because those decisions are going to be made next June. 
And this might be the last football game that you actually get these prospects to before they make decisions in six months. A lot of these kids are making their decisions in June now. All right, let's ring that bell for the Dogs HQ Stock Exchange. We got dog stocks. I'm going to start us off with Peyton Woodring. He can't miss. Damn it, he cannot miss. He can try to miss, and he can't miss. Uh, if missing was wrong, he don't want to be right, okay? He is uh, – I'm telling you, he's unreal. Um, he I don't even know if what I just said made any sense. But uh, he's uh, – listen, knock on wood, Peyton Woodring has, has, has turned it on. And I remember – listen, I wrote it, snap judgments, after South Carolina game. The slow starts did not concern me at that point as much as the fact that Georgia couldn't make kicks. And I was talking about short kicks. He couldn't make them. And and he had missed three out of four over a two-game stretch or something like that. Um, he just continues to make the easy ones look easy. And at some point, you know that – and it may be in these next three, man, where he's going to have to knock one home. I mean, the, the pressure kicks he hit at Auburn were outstanding. And, and that was what Georgia was going to need. And uh, kudos to him for sticking with it because, you know, people will tell you all the time that kickers are weird people, okay? First of all, they're just – they're different they're different cats. You've seen and Rodrigo so, Blankenship interviews, man. Yeah, you, yeah, you can't look at – you can't hang out with somebody like Rodrigo Blankenship and think that these guys are normal, okay? <laughs> Hot Rod's the man. We love him. Love Rod. Love He's Rod. great. He's great. But uh, um, they're different cats. And for Peyton Woodring to, to – as an, as an 18-year-old, you know, probably – you know, he could be held back and be at prom or something like that and probably be playing running back at his high school or something right now, just living the life in a hot tub with his soulmate. Rico. <laughs> um, he could be doing, you know, he could be doing anything. But he's over here getting it right, Ooh, kicking for Georgia, man, and figuring it out. Good for him. Can you mute him for a minute? I mean, it's this man. This man's, <laughs> this man's emotionally drained tonight. Hey, stock stock up on being in a hot tub with your soulmate. Uh, there we go. What I was saying. In high school. In high school. In high school, yes. Absolutely. Uh, no, so I, I'm flipping mine over. Uh, I'm going kind of the other end. Ro, you're talking freshman. I'm talking about JUCO. And uh, I've interviewed several of the top JUCO guys in the country here recently um, uh, that have picked up offers from Georgia. And the, the information is kind of the same, man. Those guys see the vision. They see what Georgia has done at their positions, primarily defensive linemen that they're talking to in the JUCO ranks right now. Jerome Simmons, Jaden Hamlin, Brian Taylor, who's planning to come for an official visit next weekend. Uh, not for the Mizzou game, uh, for Ole Miss, but... Um, you know, they've really impressed upon these guys, the ability to take these guys and develop them. And in the, in the NIL era, I think that that's going to be very important. These guys could make some quick cash, but a lot of these guys are highly rated guys coming out of JUCO. They want the development, they want the exposure, and they're looking for the long money, not the short money. I think that that's going to be really important to watch as this cycle progresses. Georgia needs help on the defensive line. That may be a place where they end up getting it. So stock up with Georgia and JUCOs. Watch that the rest of this season. I think that that's something that's going to be a bigger storyline in the coming weeks. All right, Rusty, what you got, man? I'll go um, stock up for for Todd Hartley. And even though he got me on Twitter last night, which I'll, I'll get him back one day, but um, I'll say this, what he's done with that room and to lose Brock Bowers uh, for an extended period and to win – a, a, a heated recruiting battle for Oscar Depp. I don't think people understand the connections that he had to South Carolina. Family went to South Carolina. I think his granddad went to South Carolina. He grew up going to South Carolina games. I think he's got family that lives in Columbia. And Todd Hartley convinced him, listen, you come to Georgia and it, we got we got bigger plans for you. You know, and 
Um, and what a huge piece of the puzzle. And I tell you, man, I've kind of been on Oscar a little bit about his blocking. And I went back today and watched about four or yeah. five series, man. He stuck his face up in there. And that's what you want to, you know what I mean? Like he, he, that was some grown man stuff out of Oscar Delp yesterday. He already had the skill set of an NFL tight end with his six, five frame and ability to catch a ball. Uh, but to see him attached to the end of the line of scrimmage, something I didn't see a lot of at in high school, and to block an edge guy and to be out in space and blocking these these SEC run defenders, that is a massive deal. Uh, Lawson Lucky, um, you know, getting in there and being physical on that goal line fourth and two play, and we're going to see more out of him. But end of the day, man, Todd Hartley, what he's doing, he's already got two guys uh, committed uh, in this next class, and and uh, potentially in, in, in one of the top. Uh, in the 2025 class, Elias Williams, whether he plays tight end or where he plays outside linebacker down in Camden County. I mean, this kid's like six seven, super freaky athlete, AAU basketball player. Now, is it over? It's not over, but Hartley's got him already verbally committed to Georgia. And so it's just really impressive what they do. Look at Pierce Sperler, man. I mean, he's going he's gonna to have to play at some point, you know, and he's been injured the last two years, last two years of high school. So he's a little behind on – kind of strength and development, but man, he's a six, six frame that can run with huge hands. So that, that guy's going to be an important piece of the puzzle too, sooner than later. But uh, my stock up, man, is Todd Hartley and what he's done. And, and, and you look at Brock Bowers yesterday and I know everybody wants to critique and they take pictures, but uh, was it 13 days, 13 days later, Brock Bowers was walking into a football stadium. Tells you all you need to know. Uh, he was jogging. I mean, he jo- jogged into a football stadium. Yeah, Rick wore a boot into that stadium. I did. Hours out there yeah. looking yeah. like a healthy man. Rolled, yeah, an ankle, I, I, rolled an ankle getting a popsicle out of the freezer on Monday, and he had he had a boot on six days. Yeah, later. exactly. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm I'm over here in a boot because of a heel spur. This dude's <laughs> over there. Uh, this dude's out there after having his ankle cut open, jogging out onto the field. Um, I'm interested to see how that goes. I got no idea, but I'll be honest with you. Whenever I saw him jog out there, I was like, what? Because he, the well, team came out of the tunnel, and he he came out there just, just kind of striking the trot behind him. Now he had that thing. He, he had a he. He looked like he had one of those lace up braces on it, you know, which yeah. I'm sure he did. That's fine. He'd probably be in one for the rest of the year, for all I know. But I got I, I don't care. That's how about, that's how, about how about Kirby's answer when I asked him why he brought it? He said because I wanted to watch him do his rehab. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure if there's anybody you ain't got to worry about doing your rehab, it's Brock Bowers. You know what I that's mean? That's right. We've yeah. hey, we've already reported on that one. That dude's been that dude's gonna push it. He's gonna absolutely push it, folks. Thank you so much for being a part of our show. Um, we we really appreciate you. Come join us over at Dogs HQ um, tonight. I, they're gonna shut it down at any moment. I don't know. It could be today. It could be right now. It could be in twenty minutes. It could be in three days. Fifty percent off a year long subscription to Dogs HQ. We'd love to have you come over there and talk with us every single day on that message board. Send us DMs; we'll get back to you. Um, or you can just try us out for one month for one dollar. We'll be back with you tomorrow night with Bark After Dark, and uh, we'll be back with you again on Wednesday with another episode of the Georgia Show, and then obviously a pregame show for Missouri. Um, 3.30 p.m. CBS, uh, that's going to be a big one, and we're going to be excited to cover it. But y'all take care for tonight, and we'll see you later on in the week. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.